Thank you for listening to our New Life Christian Center podcast. Stay tuned after the sermon for more ways to connect with us. Amen. Open in your Bibles, please, to the book of John, chapter 11. I'm going to start talking this morning. We're still in the money talk, and I've, I've had several of you say, when are you going to talk about money? And I'm going to talk about money as soon as I can disconnect your intelligence from the physical side of money. Once we get the invisible realities in there, you'll hopefully be somewhat disconnected from the physical realities of how much money you have. It's so important. Let me just say this to you as we get started. I'm, gonna, I, I'm going to, to do several things over the next uh, time talking about this, but I'm just going to spend a little bit of time probably each week um, talking with you a little bit from a spiritual perspective. But, but I just want you to understand that there is a significant divisive conversation within the church universal about money. And the reason it's there is the church's inability to process the invisible reality understanding that I'm talking about. They make money about money. And if you have too much of it, it's a bad deal. If you don't have enough of it, it's a bad deal. And, and so people just have a naturally connected reality thing that I want to disconnect you from. So today's sermon is entitled Practical Invisible Realities. I'm going to give you three scriptures not about money to show you some of these practical invisible realities. And I want you to really identify with me how you think when I read these scriptures to you, how you think about them, and then we'll put some quotes up for you and show you these things. All right, here we go. Did everybody find John chapter 11? Look with me at the 25th verse. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? <laughs> Do you? Okay. So then all of you have taken death off the table, even though your natural body is going to fall in a pile someday. Literally, it's going to come loose at the joints and you'll fall. Kabang. But you won't ever fall. Because what part of you that actually lives, lives forever. You were dead in sin through Adam's transgression and made alive through Jesus' sacrifice. You're as alive today as you'll ever be on the inside. You're as dead as you are today by choice. By the limitations of your physical body and your attitudes... It'll produce in you the desire or no desire to walk in and make reference to the death of your body. Isn't that wonderful? How many of you know that's a practical, invisible reality? Amen. Put the quote up for me, please. God never contradicts his word, but he is readily available to contradict your natural possession, perception of his word. Unbelief is anchored in the natural world. God will always contradict if you don't believe correctly. You say, well, how do we know? Well, it's not according to us. It's according to him. If you're here and you're born again, you will never die. But what the natural world says is everyone dies. I say this all the time just to get people talking. You know, I, I've already got, you know, at least conversation with the morticians. 
in both towns, in case I died early, both towns I've lived in. I said, listen, when I die, just put on the death certificate, spirit left. Don't tell me what my heart problem was. Don't tell me what this did or what that did. I didn't die from a natural physical dilemma. My spirit left my body because the spirit is life. Are we together? As a practical reality, it's an invisible reality. The natural world says everyone dies. But spiritually, God says believing in him removes that natural reality. It removes the natural reality. When you believe in the invisible world, it will remove natural realities. When you are natural, you'll look at your pile of money and either say, I've got enough or I don't have enough. You'll just talk in a natural way about your money. Don't have enough of it. I've never met anybody, regardless of their wealth, actually believe they had enough. Because there's always that natural worry. If you're close to retirement age and you have retirement savings or whatever, one of the questions that you will have as a retired, you know, or closely retired person is, do you have enough? And what do you do? You go to the world and you say, well, how long am I going to live? Most of you didn't think you'd live this long. Some of you did some really crazy, stupid stuff. You should have died a long time ago. If it was up to your natural behavior. But what does God do? He removes those natural realities and replaces them with spiritual realities. See, I can talk about this all day long and you won't even attach your money to it. You won't realize that money has a spiritual connotation that the church has just thrown out. Now, they talk really good about it. Well, if we just had more money, we could do so much more for God. I will translate that to you in pastor speak. If the church had more money, I'd get a raise. Sorry. We had more money. We wouldn't have to stress and agonize over what we were called to do. We could just go out and do it. It is not easier to have more money. If God can trust you enough that he intends to get it to you, his purpose is to get it through you. Never to you, but through you. So when you pray for just your needs, that's natural. And by the way, it's selfish. <coughs> you ought to be a source. You ought to be looking for people who are prepared to enter into an, a covenant, an invisible relationship of righteousness in relationship to money. By the way, you did that if, with the church. Do any of you actually know what we do with the money you give? <laughs> well, we'd like you to, I'm not, I don't care what you want us to do. Do you know what we do? Last year we gave $364,000 or $384,000 away. That's more money than most of you make. Your elders voted to give away the excess that you gave. There's a spiritual relationship to the invisible part of money. Somebody said to me recently, they said, well, what are you doing? I said, we, we don't talk about that because we don't want to be noticed. The Bible says, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. You say, well, we should, why? You think anybody's going to be impressed and move heaven 
by what we do? God is not surprised by the operation of this church. He spoke to your leadership to do that. You say, really? Yeah, really. Because they are six crazy guys who will look and say, how can we be stretched? It is such fun to watch because they get stretched. And what do they do? They don't ask, can we afford? They say, can we hear God's voice saying that? It's not, can you? Is, it is, did we hear God's voice? See, that's what the practical invisible realities do. Is It removes the natural resistance that we have to the way the world works. Well, we can't give that away. I'm telling you what, I know more people, and churches in particular, who have a rainy day fund and they never realize it's been raining since they had the fund. He reigns out of heaven consistently and continue. Man shall not live by bread alone, but rather by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Matthew 4, 4. It is raining God's word. People are like, we got to have a rainy day fund. Don't get me started. Turn with me, if you will, to the book of Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. This one is my favorite. Because there are lots of people in our kinds of groups that love this one. Look at the 12th verse with me. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. How many ever think you saw somebody who misinterpreted this scripture by being angry and belligerent in Christ in the world? They're violent. They scream at the devil. How is it that the kingdom of heaven suffers violence if it's a spiritual place? It's a spiritual place void of demonic influence. See, if you get into this, what you'll find is that we've misinterpreted things by the things that we think are important. The kingdom of heaven is a spiritual place. A spiritual function. It cannot suffer physical violence. It cannot. But this verse says, and the violent, those who spiritually have fought through the resistance available in this world, spiritual resistance in this world, the devil does not want you to get saved. The devil does not want you to act like God. The devil does not want you to give like Jesus gave his all. He wants to... to compete or com combat with you spiritually so you won't end up looking like God himself. So the violent people work their way through the spiritual resistance on this earth. Now wait a minute. It says the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. How does that happen? Because it's in you. The kingdom of heaven is in you. You are the conduit from the operation of heaven to the earth. And demonic influences come against you on a regular basis, and some of them sound reasonable and logical. Well, if you give that money away, you know, you won't have enough money for groceries. Well, if you don't pay attention at work, you won't get... Listen, if God is not your boss, if you don't get your paycheck through a God boss... If you don't see your money coming from God, 
you got a big bunch of work to do and you need to become more violent and take on the attitude that says I have to live in this world, you know, and fight this fight. Because the world says stand up for your rights. Have you ever, you know, well, you got to stand up. Let me be real personal with you. If what your founding fathers did to create this country was to found it on the principles of God for your country to go where some people are saying it's going to go, God would have to leave. You say, well, what if we don't do? What part of the doing did you do up to now? Do you do any of it? God did that. God founded this nation through men on himself. And he's not leaving. Now, it may not look like you want it to look, but please, please stop being physically violent with a spiritual problem. Good preaching, Glenn. That was so good. I just, I, bam. It was a spiritual uppercut. And they didn't even see it coming. Are you processing with me? Quit acting outside the character of God to support God. See, this invisible thing, well, I'll just tell you right now. This is the way I'm going to be. Bless God. You know, and inside your blood pressure has gone up. You're frustrated but not angry. You've twisted scripture to support your ways. And you don't look Christian at all. Why do you suppose that is? Let me go back and talk about money. Why do you suppose some places struggle with money? Because they never understand the spiritual realities of it. They're still stuck in the natural. Why do Christians have to pitch a fit every time they don't get their way? Because they're stuck in the natural. Do you see the comparison? So I just want you to understand this because we are operating in a spiritual... Golly, I don't want to... Okay, are you ready? Get your, get your listening ears on. We live in a spiritual dimension. This sounds like Star Trek or something. Dear Lord. Beam me up, Scotty. We live in a real spiritual dimension. And because Jesus is returning sooner than what we thought way back, because all those years have now gone past, you know, for me, 40 or more years have gone past and he didn't return yet. So we are closer and stuff is speeding up. We live in a spiritual dimension where that dimension is now transitioning us to be without spot and wrinkle. Now you say, oh, how do you know that? Because he's, he's pushing against our natural responses in a world. He's saying, don't act that way. Don't let your heart go. Has anybody not had their attitude talked to with God yet? I'm telling you what, God is picking on me. I feel like a real victim. Man, God is picky. That's what the world says. Well, you know, God will just forgive you. Yes, he will, but that doesn't make it the way you should go. I'm telling you, it is just... Amen. Will you put up, did you put up the kingdom of heaven quote, would you please? Sorry, I just about went 
off onto the wrong tangent there. And as much as I want to teach about spiritual dimensions and much of some of you might want to hear that, you're just going to have to wait. Do you understand what I'm talking about when I say spiritual dimension? This is not, it, you know, the, the sun didn't go dark. It's not blood red. It's not all of those kinds of things. But inside of us, our connectivity to the kingdom of heaven, our connectivity to the kingdom of God, its function and focus is being changed. And we're looking at things way differently. I don't know what you think the bride of Christ looks like, but there's going to have to be some spiritual surgery take place because you all need to be a bride without spot or wrinkle. Some of you need your skin ironed. <laughs> that was me. That wasn't God. <laughs> I'm, just trying, I'm just trying to get off of that because I don't want to teach. I mean, I don't, God didn't call me to teach that, but I'm so excited about that. The kingdom of heaven is invisible and not affected by physical violence. But spiritual violence takes possession of the kingdom of heaven in the face of spiritual conflict. Okay, that's happening. You see, you carried it with you into this room. But the conflict that you're in, spiritual conflict that you're in, means, means that you have to have a spiritual understanding of the violence. Now, what does he mean by violence? The, the thing that says there is nothing higher than the dimension that lives in me called the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. And that the enemy will come against that at every turn. Churches stay mediocre when they don't touch the spiritual realities of the kingdom of heaven. And in particular, in the area of money. Because see, what we've talked about in the area of money is just about the money part. And we have to be so careful. Listen, i just tell you that, that there are not a lot of pastors who want to teach their church about money. Because it's always about we need more. Um, the pile is not the issue, is it? If you can disconnect that, the pile's not the issue. Amen. The natural world says you have to fight for your rights. The spiritual world says it is always a spiritual conflict and your weapons are not carnal. Always a spiritual conflict and your weapons are not ever and will never be natural. Amen. Here's the third one. John chapter 14. I should have put these in a different order so you wouldn't have had to turn back and forth in your Bible, but I just now hit me. So, sorry, didn't think about that when I was doing this. Look with me, if you will, to 25th verse. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you. Jesus prepared them when he was naturally with them for something that was coming that was exactly like him. He said, I'll give you another helper. And the word for another there literally means another of the same kind. So in the same way, the two words in biblically that, that are translated another, one of them means another of a different kind. So we could say that a banana and an apple are both fruits, if they are, both fruits, but they're different. That's that different thing. But an orange and an orange are the same. They have the same basic systems and principalities and powers that work within them. And when he said there's a helper coming, and that's the next verse 26, but the comforter, I put this up in the King James because I want to talk about the comforter part. But in, in New, New American it says, but the, but the helper, which, the Father, which, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said to you. Why did God send a comforter. 
Anybody have any ideas? Well, it'd be great to have him because much of what he asks us to do is meant to be uncomfortable. Much of what he asks us to do is meant to be uncomfortable. Remember, we're countering the natural world with spiritual understanding. That's uncomfortable. When you say to people, I'm never going to die, they want to build you a rubber room. It can make you uncomfortable. When you tell people that money is not about the money, it's about the spiritual principle behind it, they think you're nuts. When you tell people that the violence that is, is on the inside of you is literally a spiritual conflict using spiritual weapons, they're not carnal. In fact, if you go and look at that, it says taking captive every thought. Why? Because the natural response to you being under pressure of violence is to say something. Stand up for your rights. Pitch a fit and fall in it. That's not God. I'm sorry. It's a spiritual connotation. If you'll stay... Do any of you ever get tickled at the feeble attacks that the devil sends your way? Sometimes I get really tickled. Did you know that the devil only has access to the degree that you answer the door of your heart? Our doorbell's been broken for months. Months. Years. I don't know. And sometimes people will call us and say, we're standing on your, fo- on your porch. Will you let us in? I like it when my doorbell's broke. I imagine Satan standing, and I took the doorbell down, so, you know, call me first and come over. We don't care if you come over, but you can stand there and push that, that doorbell all you want, and we're never coming. And so God just gave me this interesting little look. You know, when the devil shows up and pushes your doorbell, it shouldn't work. It shouldn't work. I love that. My doorbell doesn't work. The devil can knock all he wants. The doorbell don't work. And you know that where Tracy and I oftentimes sit when people call us, I, I have, because I'm so, I'm so big, a lot of times if I don't buy a chair that fits me, the, the recliner part of it will fold up under the weight of my extended legs. Okay? My legs are quite long. And so they hang over almost just barely past my knee is where they hang over. So as the chair wears, all of a sudden I'm laying there all relaxed and the chair decides all by itself to fold up. <laughs> well, that's not comforting at all. And so last time we bought furniture for that room, we bought, uh, Tracy and I both bought uh, recliners that are electric. And so I sit in them and I push the button. But then when somebody does pound on the door, it takes forever for that chair to get down. And I'm pushing and pushing and pushing, you know, and it's just going, thinking, I'm never, I, if I don't take my phone into that room, I can never answer your phone calls. If you ever call me and then I call you right back like two, two, three seconds later, it's because the time it takes the chair to fold down and me to walk to wherever my phone was is how much your patience is for calling me. You say, well, why can't you answer the phone, Pastor? Because I didn't remember to take it with me. 
Because I'm not governed by my phone. See, some of the stuff God gives us is uncomfortable. Look again at, at, at John chapter 14. Look at the 26th with the Holy Ghost. He says, Father will send my name. But look what it says that you will do. It says, he will teach you all things. He will teach you all things. Really? Well, not according to most people. But according to the Bible, the invisible guy will teach you all you need to know. The invisible guy will teach you all you need to know. He says, I'll bring to your memory. I love it when God recognizes that we would curse ourselves into bad memory as humans. Some of you are still too young to have age-induced memory loss. But what you say is, I'm getting old. I can't remember nothing. Yeah, I get it. I remember when Joanne Quiggle, she had Alzheimer's, went to her house to help her. She's since passed on with the Lord and wouldn't mind that I was talking about her, okay? She's my third grade teacher. Went to her house and she's got sticky notes everywhere. Remember to turn the stove off. Remember to order groceries. She had the same grocery order for about 18 months. She had about 12 jugs of Tide because she ordered every week. Green beans. I remember what else was on the list. Pork and beans and green beans were on the list. Anyway, it doesn't make any difference. She finally got to where she needed care. She needed help um, after Dean died. <laughs> I love that woman. Dean was passing away. He was in the hospital, and, and he, was, he was really on his last breath. And, and, of course, Joanne just didn't understand. And so I'm standing there holding her hand, you know, and, and we're, we're watching Dean struggle. And I said, I said to her, I said, um, Joan, 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 it's not going to be long now. Dean's going to meet Jesus face to face. Hold her hand. She says, good, let's go have breakfast. <laughs> yep. Didn't even relate. Now we can laugh about that. But when she moved into the rest home, if you'd go up and talk to her and just mention God, she would rattle scripture off like nobody's business because it was eternal and living. And Jesus brought it to her memory. The only memory that she had that was functioning at the end of her life, functioning appropriately, was her spiritual memory. I'm not sure you want to wait until you get to whatever stage you're in to realize that God wants to remind you of stuff. I don't care how old you are. I go into appointments with people and the minute they start talking, I'm praying under my breath, trying not to let my mouth move in the spirit because I want the Holy Spirit to remind me what he said. Because I, I got nothing. You know that if I would have tried to correct uh, uh, Joan... To not go eat Raisin Bran, which is, by the way, I took her home. We had Raisin Bran sitting at her kitchen table in the hospital called. Dean's passed. She hardly took a breath in between bites. But talked to her about God. And out it came. 
This scripture is an invisible reality that most of you might be finding out for the first time today. He sent you a comforter. Why? Because he knows you're going to face uncomfortable situations where you don't know what to say. Take no thought for what you will say, for in that very hour I'll give that to you. But we end up saying everything we need to say, telling people what they need to do, and then we ask God if there's anything extra. Or maybe we don't even ask him. I'd start there if I were you. Trust the invisible guy to bring to your remembrance what he said to you. See, that's the invisible world. Now listen to me. When the Bible says that given it shall be given unto you, pressed down, shaking together, running over, don't stop with your understanding until you get to that place of running over. That's the spirit. Separate yourself from the natural understanding and do the spiritual thing. God, you said this to me. It's supposed to be running over. I don't know what your definition is, but the Bible tells me whatever I can think of, yours is bigger. I has not seen, ears heard, nor has entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for those who love him. Exceedingly, abundantly above all you could ask or even dare to think. And on and on it goes. But see, what people do is they, in all these areas, I can point these things out to you spiritually in, in, in relationship to things that you think should be spiritual, but you never consider the spiritual dynamics of money. I am talking about money, but I'm trying to get you to transfer, have a dynamic transfer spiritually away from the natural aspects of money into the spiritual aspects of money. Because you cannot give into his kingdom to further his kingdom without having something to give. And if you pray for just your own needs, you will continue through all of your life to be a person who lives from paycheck to paycheck because you can't remove money from the natural understanding that you have. Amen. John, or Luke chapter 16, please. Did your brain make the transition yet? Did, did, you, did you process this outside of the natural understanding that you have? Because, see, I didn't give you any scriptures about money. I did relate to them a little bit in, in this time of this talk. But, but I didn't talk, we're not talking about money. We're talking about the spirit world. We've got to get our money understanding over into the spirit world. You know that God will tell you how to handle your money in the spirit world to such a degree that it won't make sense to you? I've had two dreams in the last six weeks where God did a particular thing over and over again. I'd wake up after each, each cycle of the dream. And, and God was showing me something about the natural world, specifically related to Tracy and I, and specifically related to our retirement. And so... I followed that dream because it was spiritual. I didn't ask, does it make sense? It didn't. Should I do it? Only if God says so, and he did. So I pulled that card out. And when should I do it? Well, I should do it on the day and time and thing that he told me. So the next day I did it. You say, did it work? What's the other option? See, 
Most of us are stuck with what we think is supposed to work. If God tells you, you don't have to ask the question, does it work? I was telling the Sunday school class today, when, when, and I don't even remember what we were talking about, willingness, I think, and, and, and I, I mentioned to them that when you're willing, what you're looking for is not the plan coming to pass, but the manifestation of Jesus in your life. Every time Jesus gives you an assignment, he gives it to you so that he can manifest himself in your life. If Jesus tells you to do something, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. That is a promise of his manifestation. Now, there are some folks for reasons in this violent taking it by force and and fighting those things off that, that don't seem to get healed. That's when you need your understanding of the spirit world to fight off the attacks on your thought process. The words that come from the enemy, the words that come from demonic influence that say you need to quit laying your hands on people because you lay your hands on people and the only thing that proves is they're going to die. (laughs) Come on, I prayed for people. I finally learned. I had to think back how far this, this was. Probably, let's say I've been here 20, so probably 30, let's say 30 years ago friend of one of my son's mom was passing away, young woman, in, in the hospital. And so it's like two o'clock in the morning. I'm standing there with the husband, boy, girl, um, the son and daughter, and the mom laying in the bed. And she's laboring to breathe. I've been through this a lot. And, and I'm thinking, oh, God, this is about it. He said, if you'd asked me about this, I'd tell you what to do. I went, well, now, isn't that a novel idea? And so I said, well, what, sh- what? <laughs> I remember distinctly saying, what should we do? Because <laughs> at this point, you know, I'm thinking he's going to have me get her out of the bed, stand her in a corner and slap death out of her. That's all I could think of was, dear God, this is going to be embarrassing. <laughs> and he said, teach them how to release her into my arms. Aww. And I went, ha, ha, we can do that. We gathered around that bed and prayed. And husband, son, daughter released that woman in the arms of Jesus because Jesus was calling her home. You can have all the arguments you want. I experienced it. And while we were praying, she breathed her last breath. I went, okay then. If we'll ask God in uncomfortable situations, he will give us a comfortable answer. Because that's what the Holy Spirit does. You say, I didn't understand that. Yep. Luke chapter 16, look at the 13th verse. No servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. Stop for just a second. This is a comparison between the spirit world and the natural world in all aspects. And when you love one, you will by design hate the other one. You will hate it. And you say, how can you talk like that? Because it's true. I hate the way the world works. Come on, think with me for just a second. Wouldn't it be better, instead of going through the natural decay, the natural difficulty of growing old, wouldn't it be better if you open up your Bible one day to a particular scripture and it was Psalms 89.4 and you realize from that that you were going to live 89 years and four months and die? That'd be cool. 
If death is such a problem, we never, we never experience that. I know of one person who said to his family on a particular Wednesday at 10 o'clock, he was going to go home and be with the Lord. On that Wednesday, he sat down in his chair after eating breakfast. He was 80-some years old. Sat down in that chair and breathed his last. I said, God, I'm thinking I'd like to experience that. <laughs> you don't get it for other people. You get it for yourself. And you probably shouldn't talk about it because your right hand shouldn't let your left hand know. And you say, oh, that's just crazy. See what your natural man just did? You called what was purely spiritual foolishness. You stayed in, well, we all got to do it that way. We all got to get sick and die. Okay. See, you'll either hate one and love the other, be loyal to one and despise the other. The number of people who despise the functioning of the spirit world is astronomical. Because it removes you from control. <coughs> it removes you from control. You don't get to do what you want to do because it makes sense to you. You get to do what he wants you to do because it makes sense in the spirit world. Which is where you're supposed to be living. He says in this verse, he says, you'll be loyal to one, despise the other. You cannot. I love this word. It's the suffix not possible, no, never, ever. Okay. It's not possible. And the other word is the word we oftentimes get power from or possibility from. It is not possible and never, never powerful enough to do this. You cannot serve God. It is not possible. It's without possibility to do this. Now, again, your natural man go, oh, yeah, I can live with like, you know, I can straddle the fence. The devil owns the fence. God is not trying to keep people in or out. He has no fence. When you get up there, you do not have to knock on St. Peter's gate because it ain't closed. You don't get checked out by somebody. Did you live according to whatever before you get to get in? You ever notice that when the judgment that the Bible talks about happens, you're already in heaven? You don't get out? Amen. Amen. No man can serve. It is not possible. Okay. So I told you all these spiritual things to get you to this place where we're going to tune in to these spiritual, invisible realities. We're going to tune into these things. So here's the thing. When we do this, we'll have to be honest with ourselves about what we love. We'll have to be honest. Listen, love changes your focus. There is no one in this room that I love like I love Tracy. You are all way down the list. I love you, kind of, most of you, some, you know. But you're way down the list from Tracy. My love changed my focus. The Bible says, God, Timothy, would you just put that up for me? There it is, verse 6, you've got it. Now, godliness with contentment. I am, in my love for my wife, content with who she is, how she is, how she deals with me. I'm hoping she is with me. Godliness with contentment is great gain. See, I can talk about marriage that way, but if I get over here into the money, you bring natural principles into it, and you say, well, contentment means. No, it doesn't. It doesn't mean what you think it means. It means what it means in marriage. 
I am totally comfortable with how the Holy Spirit deals with me because he is my comforter. I'm totally comfortable with who God is because he's revealed his character to me. I'm totally comfortable with how I've been called to operate in this world because the world doesn't have anything in me. I'm a citizen of heaven. Are you catching all this? Contentment is the issue. Okay, let's keep reading in 1 Timothy chapter 6 because love changes your focus. If you love money, it'll change your focus. Verse 6, now godliness and contentment is great gain. Brought nothing into the world. Going to go out with nothing. Verse 9, but those who desire to be rich, those who desire to be rich, you say, well, I don't desire it. Really? Let's talk about that for just a second. Our desire oftentimes, because it turns into a love, changes our focus. The number of people that have told me that they would give more to the church or do more Christian things as soon as they made enough money, those are the same people that are willing to work on Sundays and not come to church because they changed their focus. You say, well, I can't come on, on, on Sundays. Why can't you? Well, my boss makes me work. Now, this is scary stuff. But you got to pray for that because maybe you need to be in church and maybe you need a different job. Maybe God moves you to a town where they have Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And, and please don't say to me, well, I'm just going to watch online. If you regularly watch online, we really appreciate you, honest. But can I point out to you, there is a tangible difference in corporate anointing in the room. In the room. Be in the room. Be in a room. Amen. He's, they fall into, look at this. When your desire, when your focus changes to riches... It says, you fall into temptation and a snare. You fall into a temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts. Now, I don't know who wants to sign up for this, but most people never read this in a spiritual connotation. They think God is blessing them with all their finances, and they don't realize that in many ways, <coughs> excuse me, They've already fallen into a temptation that's led them to a snare and they're dragging that snare around, that, that trap around with them. And there's many, many difficult and harmful and foolish lusts that are on there. Then he says, which drown men in destruction and perdition. Notice the language he uses. And because none of us have actually drowned, none of us have actually found ourselves covered in water, and drowning, So we don't even listen to this correctly. But it says it drowns them in destruction. It literally means the destruction will chase you down and overwhelm you. And perdition. What's perdition? Perdition is a thought process that leads you into this. He's saying because of your thoughts, this will happen to you. You need your mind renewed to the things of God. Are we together? Then he says in verse number 10, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Notice that this root produces something. Notice what it produces. It says, it, root of all evil, for which some have strayed from the faith. Inside the root of love of money caused you to stray from faith. That plant will only grow these things. The fruit of the love of money grows a straying from the faith. You say, well, how do we know that? Well, you stray from the connection you had. You say, well, I'm not doing that. 
See, it's between you and God. I'm not here to tell you that you are. Notice what else it says in their greediness. Well, I'm not greedy. Greediness is what you have to have before you talk to God. You say, wait, what do you mean? We will sacrifice everything, including our relationship or a portion of our relationship with Jesus Christ because of greediness. We have to have it before we can connect with God. We'll do everything in our power. We'll work 80 hours a week. Now, again, some people say, well, I'm in that position. Well, let me just take a step back. If you're in that position, please identify with me. When you started serving God in your finances, when did the spiritual principles change? You say, well, they, they didn't. Uh, and and, and we'll, we'll find out that that greediness was in your life when you first got saved and you never took care of it. You never turned money into a spiritual thing. And so you allowed the money to motivate you into more and more money. And you ended up with this. It's the only fruit that the love of money can produce. Some have strayed from the faith and in their greediness... From the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. <laughs> it's the only fruit that the root can produce. When you find these things, you should be prepared to look at the root that's growing in your life. Verse 11, but you, O man of God, flee these things. Run. Run from these things. Wow. And then he tells you what to pursue. Pursue righteousness. Pursue the relationship that grows from the root of communion with God. Righteousness. Pursue godliness. From the root of relationship, right relationship with Jesus Christ, godliness is produced. It's the only fruit available. Faith is the only fruit available. You cannot get faith in a natural world without changing the the root from God to something else. You cannot get faith in a natural world without changing the root. Okay? You say, what are you saying? If you think you're getting faith from reading books, then the book becomes your root. And the only faith you can get is what's in the book. If you think that the church is giving that to you, then the only faith you can get is what your church preaches. Not necessarily what God wants you to have. I hope you're getting this. Because I'm, I'm, I'm trying to transfer you from the only natural perception that many of you have ever had about money over into the spiritual thing and what we're doing here is we're looking for the fruit that comes from the root look at this love the only way that this can be produced is through the root of God and he's talking about finances patience he could have went all day and never said anything about patience how many ever got an attitude when you're in a store spending a lot of money and they're not serving you? Your patience is being attacked. See, 
you think your money going to make room for you? Wrong route. Wrong route. Is that hard? Matt, we all do that, right? But we, we've never, we, we think the, the money, right? If you go in and, and, and you want to buy a, you know, I don't know, pick, pick your value. You know, I, I would tell you where you get served really well. Go to stores that sell really expensive stuff and they will serve you. Walk into a high-end jewelry store and three people will tackle you because they want to sell you a $10,000 watch right now. Say, I don't need a $10,000 watch. You're right. Nobody needs one. (laughs) Right? But when you go into Walmart to buy your groceries, you think they should serve you better because you're spending a lot of money with them. You still have a natural connection. The fruit that you're getting from that is natural. Right? The love of money, all kinds of evil, that's not natural. That's carnal in, on steroids. It's the evil side of things. The natural side of things says money should make room for me. The spiritual side of things says money makes it patient. Amen? Amen. Verse number 12 says, come on music team. Verse number 12 says, fight the good fight of faith. What's he talking? He's still talking about this whole relationship with money. The good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. God designed money to be a part of eternity. It's not just so you can enjoy life here. We're actually establishing and building eternally valuable things. To which you are also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Let me close with this. Faith's fight reflects the kingdom invisible realities of heaven the fight you're in the spiritual fight you're in should be reflecting the reality of an invisible heaven his word and his ways I hope I did everything I could to help you separate your money from the natural world Because as we proceed with this, we're going to talk about things that are going to sound natural if you haven't made that separation. You won't find yourself in that position where you need to understand the difference between a spiritual concept and a natural way. We need to make sure we keep those things separate, people of God. Amen? Amen. Amen. Stand up with me, would you please? Father, we thank you today for this time. We bless you, Lord. I think I heard you. I think I experienced the work that you are trying to do in all of us. Separating the natural from the spiritual. Father, let that work be done by you in all of us. Make our understanding of money spiritual, non-natural. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening. To subscribe to our podcast, search New Life Eckley in all of the major podcasting apps. Audio and video of our sermons are posted at newlifeeckley.com slash live, and you can watch Sermon Slices weekdays on social media. Search at New Life Eckley. Our main service is at 10 a.m. Mountain Time every Sunday. Thanks for listening.